right, Taylor. So, welcome to the show, my man. I know, is this your first podcast you've been on? Not my first, but definitely my favorite so far. Oh, and we just started. Look at that. <laughs> Sucking up already to the host. I like it. Um, so, tell everyone what you, uh, kind of what your business is. Absolutely. So, I own a company uh, called Takeform Development. I partner with entrepreneurs one-on-one to help them go from potential to professional, which is really taking ideas in different markets and different niches and ultimately help them, helping them take that to the marketplace through clarity, consistency, and accountability. Okay. So you, essentially all the people out there that are starting or wanting to start a business, but probably have a lot of those natural fears, I guess, from the million possibilities of failure. Uh, it's kind of like a professional coach to kind of get through all that. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I work with a lot of solopreneurs, startups, and small teams. I help them go from basically a concept or an idea all the way through conception, ultimately through to initial scale. I work with a lot of different clientele. And so you got a, your business is pretty new, but I know you've kind of been in the, the industry, I guess you can say, for a bit. Kind of share how that where you're at with all that and then we'll kind of go backwards to figure out uh how it all started oh beautiful yeah so i've been i've been professionally coaching um businesses for the last six years but take form development has only existed as an entity for about one year now um really kick-started and go went on my own after i had some creative differences with some partners that i had and decided you know what at 100%. And so I just decided, you know what? I've learned enough in this particular industry. I feel like I've got a skill set and I, I saw a big need um, in a lot of spaces that I was currently prohibited from because of uh, the way that they were operating their businesses. And I decided, you know what? I'm opening the doors. I'm out. I'm going out on my own. I think the probably the biggest tip that I would even give out, let alone kind of what you do, is uh, starting a business, running a business, no matter where you're at in the business. Uh, it's always good to ask for help. Um, I think with a business, the biggest thing that can't be there is ego. Uh, and it's tough because I'm pretty sure most entrepreneurs uh, have a little bit of ego inside of them. That's kind of where that mindset gets to the business aspect. Um, but it's, it's hard because then you, say, you can't be fearful of what help you get because even if it's bad feedback, it's something you can still learn what not to do. You can still go from there. Uh, and there's obstacles forever with the business. So uh, kind of with what you do, that's kind of uh, staying within the lanes, kind of helping them stay on path, right? A hundred percent. You know, and I, I work with a lot of different industries, but one thing that I've found is that leadership at every level is lonely. And so when people are starting their businesses, they're usually alone. You're sitting in your bedroom or your garage or in a spare room in your house. You've got a bright idea and no one else around you. And that is, one, terrifying. And, yes. and, yeah, and two, you're just you're absolutely alone. Even if you have a partner or a spouse or friends who support you, it's just you. Yeah, I, I think even with uh, starting this podcast, I think a lot of the ideas came when I was in my apartment over there in a high-rise and I see the view of the pool and Lake Eola. So uh, starting to create this thing, I got the biggest case of FOMO uh, every day because I'm in here with this idea of talking to others on this platform while I have to sit inside not being able to have fun with everyone else. But it's, kind of, it's one of those sacrifices you have to do if you're going to do it. You can't have fun and play and uh, start something real. Kind of, You kind of have to put it in order. Uh, so tell us uh, 
where did this idea come from? Well, I mean, it really, I, I got scooped up into the professional coaching world. So I, I was in ministry um, as a missionary for about two years. And when I finished up my ministry service, I came home, had basically zero idea as to what I really wanted to do in the immediate short term. And I was speaking um, to congregations um, just around my, my state. And what That's ended, Utah, by the way, right? Utah, yeah, born and raised in Utah. So I was speaking at congregations, and I was approached after I spoke to a congregation by a man uh, by the name of Abraham Shreve, who was one of the top real estate coaches um, in the country at the time. And he said, do you have a job? And I said, no. And he said, do you want a job? And I said, maybe. And he said, great. Depends. Yeah, it dep- <laughs> depends, right? And he said, well, great you have a job, meet me on Tuesday at this restaurant at this time, we'll talk about the details. And again, I had no plan, so I went, met with him, um, and he basically just detailed that his life was chaos and he needed someone to help him with coaching um, some of his clientele. Not in the actual coaching aspect, but in the structure of building out the tools and understanding conceptually um, how everything worked. So I jumped on board and learned kind of from him as, as the master and me as the Padawan, and then it just kind of it's it's uh, cascaded from there, so to speak. Did he? What made him feel comfortable bringing you on for a role like that? I think. I mean, I think again. I, we haven't talked in depth about it. He's never really opened up. But I had been speaking to one to two congregations a week for about a month, um, and he just happened to be in one of those audiences two weeks before he came and approached me. So he heard me speak once. And after the second time of hearing me speak on a different topic, I, he just said he came up, he felt comfortable, he felt like the way that in which I spoke and engaged the congregation was um, something that gave him confidence in my ability to uh, handle and communicate with his clientele. So you had a first and second interview without even knowing. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I had no idea. It was a blind interview. Sneaky, sneaky guy, but I guess it worked <laughs> for him too. Um, so then when you started doing that, when did how long into it did you feel like all right this is something that maybe I can keep going through with or following? Oh boy, um, I, we while well, we were, I was about a year year and a year to a year and a half into being his assistant, and we were actually approached by Gary Keller, who is the owner of Keller Williams, the real estate brokerage. Oh wow! And is he out in Utah? No, he's based out of Austin, Texas. So, but he approached us and he said, "Hey, we like what you're doing, and we'd like to fund um, a new company." Um, we'd like for you guys to build it. And he was specifically talking to Abe. I thought I was going to be out of a job. I had no idea what was about to happen. So this is how I get kicked out. Yeah, I know. This is how I get fired. And um, he said, I'll fund all, I'll upfront all the money. This is a startup. We'll give you the working capital and go out and build a white-labeled coaching company where you can take um, coaching concepts that were widely familiar in the real estate space to ancillary companies like title and mortgage and other, other types of businesses that were supplementary to real estate. Um, Abe took it. He said, absolutely. I think this is a great gig. Um, and did he have to process that at all or did oh, he pretty much say yes on the spot? My gosh, he took weeks and it really? was painstaking for me cause I thought I was getting fired and I had no <laughs> idea when. Um, but after he accepted, um, he called me up he said, Hey, we need to meet. And this was the moment I was like, all right, it's done. Like all I'm going right. to have to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And, uh, he came and he said, look, you've been through it with me for the last year and a half. You stuck by me. You've learned a lot. I'd like to hire you on. Would you like to build this together? 
I was flabbergasted. I still didn't have a plan. So if anyone's out there that doesn't have a plan that feels bad, like there's more of us out there and that's okay. <laughs> you just keep your eyes open and work hard. Um, but what ended up happening is I was brought on as the first hire and we built um, our company and it currently services about a billion dollars in clientele revenues annually. Wow. So is that the company you're currently at or is this one that you used to work for before your own? That is one I used to work for. Yeah. So this is a company that we built from the ground up with the startup dollars from Gary Keller. Um, it, uh, it went in a direction that I, I didn't fully love. Um, we lost control when we brought a few more executives on board and uh, my voice was minimized in a way. So I figured I'm just going to uh, go ahead and go my own direction. So, so when that moment happened, you said some executives took over. So were you kind of not in that um, passenger seat anymore with Abe? Did- Correct. Um, we, well, we grew. So we went from a, a company of two to a company of 60 within four months. Wow. Yeah, massive growth. Lots of growing pains. And I was say that, that might be a little too fast that you're gonna f- everyone's going to feel that impact. Correct. And so what ended up happening is they, they brought in some heavy hitters from uh, corporate backgrounds to try to help stabilize the chaos that we had created. Um, and I will admit, we, we totally created. It was 100% our fault. And they brought you on to help his chaos. Of Correct. I just, I, I added to it. It was a great time. They brought them in and as a byproduct of that, they actually changed um, their model, the model in which they were operating their business. And in doing so, it, re- I, it really damaged the culture of the company. And that's, that's always per- important to correct personal opinion. And so along with that culture came changes to the executive team. I was one of them. They saw me and my role and they said, you know what? I think that, uh, that you should be doing something else, and I couldn't have agreed more. So we we agreed to part ways and thanked each other for the time and went separate directions. So at, at that point, actually, how old were you at that moment when that happened, where the executives took over? I was 22. All right, so you're still a young little buck. I bet you uh, when those executives came in, the, the age alone was probably a, a nice little flag for them to uh, maybe push you out, wasn't it? Ab- absolutely. They, it, was, it was definitely um, something they used against me. I think, the, uh, I think one of the biggest battles with a lot of uh, potential or uh, entrepreneurs when they're younger is having that mentality, that drive inside of you and then get hit with those age uh, excuses where everyone wants to push you aside and you're too young. Uh, and it's one of those things that you have to, it's like climbing an avalanche or some kind of mountain uh, where you can't just give up when you hit that first big rocky spot. You gotta, you gotta keep going and almost prove them wrong. I think a, a lot of my passion with business came from uh, the owner of the company that I was working for as a AVP uh, being told over and over again that, hey, you're just too young, everyone's older than you, no one's going to listen to you, and I pretty much just annoyed the shit out of him uh, every week until he finally gave me a chance, and then that was, that's time to prove it right there, so uh, you got to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So, when you, uh, so when you got there, the executives came in and saying, hey, you know, time to go on your separate way. Did you already have some kind of plan in place or was that more, this part kind of more out of a surprise? 
I definitely had a plan in place. I, I knew that there was changes happening. I could feel it. And to be frank, my personality was not in line with the role that I was currently procuring. Um, I'm very much a visionary. If you've ever, have you ever read the book Rocket Fuel? No, I've heard of it. Beautiful book. It talks about two different behavioral styles. There's visionaries who have really big ideas, very big execution, and then there's implementers. Implementers are individuals who take uh, a visionary's ideas and are able to execute on them uh, consecutively and really continuously over time in order to bring them to completion. And I'm more of a visionary. I have very uh, big ideas, big execution, and if you tell me to sit in an office and punch numbers into a spreadsheet day after day, I'm going to start throwing chairs through windows. I, I would lose my mind. Absolutely. So I knew this was coming, and I had actually, actually I had already started coaching at that point. Um, so I had been coaching for about a year when the actual shift took place. One of the caveats to me going on to the executive team with Abe as the first hire is he said, look, you've been listening to me for about 2,000 hours now. In order to be on this team, you have to coach yourself. I'd never coached before. I'd mentored. I'd been responsible for people in ministry. But I'd never on a business or executive level um, consulted or coached anyone to success. So I was terrified. I just heard him do it. Um, so I was terrible at first. I took on clientele. I failed over and over and over again. I got cussed out. The whole thing. And the normal. The normal, <laughs> right? And over time, I started to find my stride. I found um, that I was recalling information that I had learned from my mentors and my own experience. And then that experience just grew um, and multiplied through the number of conversations that I had with other entrepreneurs. So I was already coaching. And so what I did is when we both mutually agreed, hey, it's time for us just to break up, I just said, I'm just going to coach on your platform. So I said, look, culturally, I'm not on board with being on the executive team, but I stayed in their ecosystem as a coach and just continued to facilitate coaching with clientele on the platform. Well, so I know we keep bringing up the um, different culture, different perspectives, views. What, what was that? that what was it? Well, so we had originally built the company um, much like a real estate brokerage where individuals that had a skill set could come and live under our umbrella and take a part of our resources while building almost their own brand of coaching. So they were able to take part in um, the overall executive resources, the backing, billing platforms, advertising, the whole shebang. But what ended up happening is that when they shifted, they shut all of that down. It became very much corporate America, our branding, our philosophy, our coaching models, which stifled a lot of the creativity and the opportunity with coaches in the ecosystem and drove a lot of them away because it was no longer a platform, it was a company. And that was something that I felt like we were missing out on because we were restricting the number of people we had the opportunity to influence through coaching. I think that's a, a big thing with corporate America, more so now or lately, where back in the day, I feel like corporate was so strict and so by the book and so um, just narrow and straight. And then the creativity was always never really there to feel like, hey, I want to express, I have these ideas. And I think more and more as time is going through, especially nowadays, that creativity side without that, those corporate Americas are uh, not doing as well. You're starting to see drop-offs there and a lot more focus to those um, small businesses where they have that freedom to kind of create what they want, their passion. 
A hundred percent. And you, this is also why corporate America is deeply in need of, of millennials and certain indiv individuals to bring new life and new blood into the company. Um, because they have a lot of individuals that have been around for quite a while operating off of old ideas. And if that tells us anything, it's just that new generation and new ideas means opportunity for profitability. Correct. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people still holding on to the very old school uh, train of thought. Um, and I think especially with business, the more you're not willing to grow or expand in the thought process, the further and further you will always fail. I'm big on uh, if you're not growing in any way, whether it's mentally as a person or as a business, once you hit this, that stagnant mark, you're failing. You're not stagnant. There's no such thing as stagnant. Yeah. Uh, so then when you started your own, kind of with that transition, how did, that, how did you build that or start that? It was messy. Um, so I, I left the ecosystem um, that I was a part of because I was restricted to specific industries for my coaching clientele. And I found that what industries? specifically, uh, and this is going to sound terrible, but it's, it was anything except real estate agents. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was very niche. And it, it was that way. And I understand why it is that way, because it was a conflict of interest. Gary Keller owns a real estate brokerage. He has his own coaching company inside of the real estate brokerage. Probably so folders and folders of lost potential lawsuits going that route a hundred percent and I, I got it I understood and I saw that a lot of the individuals who were approaching me were real estate professionals just by association with Gary Keller and and other real estate um, related individuals there was a lot of real estate agents coming to me and saying like hey like can you help me out and I had to say no and I felt terrible because I knew that I'd be able to help them but I was restricted based on the ecosystem I was a part of so I, I said, I look, I can't be a part of this anymore. I'm saying no to opportunity, and I'm 100% I'm restricted, not only by industry, but there was very specific pricing requirements that they were throwing out that had to be met. And it, it was uh, difficult, especially for um, young entrepreneurs, to meet some of those financial um, standards. And so I decided I had to go on my own. So it was a very messy process. Um, it was for 72 hours. It was uh, very... Uh, what's the right way to say it, contentious with some of the executive team. Uh, although we were able to come to terms with uh, some things and we're all good now. I wish them the best of luck and I've got my own platform. Do you still talk to them? I still talk to Abe, my mentor. I don't talk to anyone else um, inside of that executive team. I never was very close with um, any of them. And to be frank, there's only two people inside of that team currently that existed when I left four years ago. Wow, so they plugged in all these executives and they weren't even the ones that lasted long enough to keep everything going the way they wanted to. Correct, yep. But I still talk to Abe. He's he's uh, he's he's very fun. We just talked last week, so we, we stay in touch. We're still very good friends, even though we're running on different paths and I'm always appreciative for him kind of setting up this opportunity and giving me the, uh, the base level knowledge to start off this journey. You have to send Abe the link for your episode, and then I'm going to give a shout out to Abe. Look what your man is doing right now. Look at him. I would definitely going to send it to him. <laughs> um, okay, so then how did you start your business? Where did that go, that transition to actually creating it? So it just it, well, it started with a lot of people just saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this. And I had always operated under the umbrella of, well, I can't. I can't do it because of this restriction or that, or you have to pay me more because here's the requirements or whatever the it might be. The beast was on the leash. Co correct. The beast was on the leash. And so um, it, there just came a point where I just, 
I couldn't, I couldn't say, well, I can't anymore. Because I saw so much need and people had such a desire to create these amazing things and I wanted to partner with them in any way that I possibly could. And so I just started it. I started the LLC. Um, I decided, you know what, I'm done saying I can't. And I started calling up all the people that I had said no to. I was going to ask if you kept a list of everyone. I, I did. I said, you know what, guys, like we got to talk. We have to, we have to communicate. And so I reached out. I let them know there was an opportunity. And we just kind of took it from there, naturally. Some of them had started, and they were already in the trenches. Some were still in the thought process phase. But we just began conversation, and naturally it went from there. How, how does any of these uh, potential clients, how do they even hear about you or how did they know about that business? And then I guess also, how did they know about yours now? Um, I'm huge into relationships and partnerships specifically. I think that with the right connections and with the right friendships and partnerships, you're introduced to the people that you need and have the capability to influence. Um, and a lot of times that's local. Um, I'm speaking six times next month um, at different companies just because I know one person. I know one person that said, hey. Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, sometimes Most that's. Most of the time that's all it takes. Amen. And it's just keeping in touch with those people and understanding that even if it's not that person that might need what you have, they probably know someone that may benefit from what you have to offer. Let's, uh, let's actually put this in a perspective here. Uh, I think I met you through uh, a friend that I knew had some connections, uh, which she couldn't be on. Uh, and she let me know that she had a friend that wanted to be on, has her own business, and then now you're here now. So yep. it only takes out one person. Amen. Uh, that's that's <laughs> right there, right in front of it. Um, so then I know you live obviously in Orlando now, coming mm -hmm. from Utah. Did you start your business out in Utah or when did it kind of make that whole move? Here in Orlando, actually. So um, I'm married. So me and my wife, we moved from Utah it, during the pandemic, 2020. We got we packed everything that we owned into a U-Haul, which wasn't much. And we decided, you know what, we're, we're heading out to the sunshine. We're sick of, you know, scraping our windshields in the cold weather <laughs> during the winter. Um, so we, we moved out here to Florida. And, and I had met some people through that previous company that kind of coaxed me to coming here as opposed to California or the Carolinas. And so I came here and I started, I was just, you know, not coasting or floating, but just kind of trying the waters, getting used to the new environment, um, enjoying time with my wife. And then, um, yeah, here about a year ago, we just decided, you know what, let's do this. So how scary was that? Because it sounds like you almost moved with still kind of like an idea with a small business plan, but not really anything uh, physical yet. Zero, nothing physical. It was all, it was, it was hopes and dreams, baby. Um, I had $1,000 in my bank account when we moved to Orlando. So what kind of fears is going through your head and your wife? Because so many. Did you guys make the move or decide the move together? Was it something kind of for the business and she, you know, supported you and thought it was a good idea? It wasn't even, um, I don't even think it was that well thought out thinking back <laughs> like we we were flying by the, th the seat of our pants at the time but um, we had talked we wanted to get out of Utah there was nothing that was holding me there as far as uh, corporate position or any work because I was doing my work remotely um, and all of my clientele were at different parts of the United States and parts of Canada so I I just said like let's move to the beach my wife is originally from Spain and so the warm weather appealed to her um, and we, we said, you know, let's go to Florida. The thing that I, I 
was a big draw though is that I, I had made connections with people that I really liked in the previous company. And so coming down here, I was able to associate with them in a greater depth and more detail. And a byproduct of that association was just continuous learning, continually kind of feeling out the ideas before the ultimate execution. So if anything business related, as, as far as uh, the decision to move here was just associating with individuals that I, I felt like would help me process the ideas and get some clarity around the organizational structure of the potential business as opposed to anything else. But it worked out and it, it absolutely helped. So I want you to share with all the listeners because you could have a few people that make you feel good about it going into this move, but what, what would you give, uh, what kind of tips would you give to people having to make a move like that physically as well? Oh man, uh, don't stay at Motel 6, even to save money. Uh, find <laughs> something else. Um, that's number one. No, I, I think one thing is ensure that no, when you make a big move physically from one location to another, you have to take into account um, you know, positives and negatives, right? You gotta make a, a pros and cons list. But one thing that people do is they always let the cons um, hold more weight. For whatever reason, you know, we're risk averse as human beings. Naturally, the caveman inside of us says, don't touch the fire, right? I want to be comfortable. I would rather not take this risk. And so I, w I, I strongly suggest that anyone who's thinking about making any move, whether that's physical or whether that's, you know, a different job or whatever it might be, is to question your cons. Because oftentimes we'll place a con into a list like that, not necessarily because it is actually something um, that is negative towards the opportunity, but it's fear-based associated with the possibility of failure. And so that holds us back oftentimes from taking action. I think a, a big thing too, because writing out a pros and cons list, I do a little different because... Anytime you're going into something that scary where you have that so much to lose, it's pretty easy for your mind to start turning to, let me almost sell my way out of it and let me write almost more cons will come out. Uh, so I cap it as you have to put the either you know top five, top 10 of each. Don't let one side go wild or vice versa. You get some very, uh, uh, a lot of people that are very uh, dreamy, and they might put so many things on pros, nothing on cons, and then that list is still doing nothing for them. Uh, I've always kind of lived with this, and you can tell me kind of if you've ever done this. I always am a big believer on if I chose either route, which one would I regret not doing more? Whether it's, you know, if I'm making that move, would I regret, you know, making that move altogether? Or would I say, hey, the, it's worth it. Even if it fails, I would rather at least fail trying than not trying at all and never knowing what could happen. Uh, I think living in that unknown of never knowing what you could possibly do is the biggest self-sabotage. It's huge. You know, there's, there's, the old, there's the age old quote, you know, there's the pain of discipline and then there's the pain of regret. Mm. And I think for a lot of us, um, we think we don't have the stones almost. We're like, oh man, I'm going to fail. Like, what if I fail? And that holds us back. And the reality is, is that, you know, the, the pain of regret is one of the most painful experiences that we have because we believe we could have made it, right? Mm -hmm. It's a leap that was so within our grasp and we didn't take it. 
And the possibilities of taking that leap almost look down on us on top of the guilt saying, look what I could have been if I would have made this decision. So tough of a pill to swallow, especially when the biggest thing I think is when you have that moment and then you start seeing others doing your idea and succeeding. And the one thing you can never buy is time. So living in a regret type of mindset, you're never going to get back to that age or that moment where it was the best opportunity to actually take that route. Um, and let's be real, the older we get, the harder it makes anything. Um, whether it's making those jumps, you have more responsibilities, more people are looking uh, looking up to you or needing stuff from you, and uh, you can't wait any longer. I think waiting is the uh, worst thing that someone can do in a lifetime, is waiting for something that they'll never get to do it unless you actually go after it. 100%. You know, when you're young, it... I had a mentor of mine, and this was this was uh, when I was first married. He said, "What's what's the worst that can happen?" And I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" And he's like, "If you lose everything, what's the worst that can happen?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I could lose. You know, at the time, I was like, I can lose my apartment. I could, you know, ruin my relationship with with my wife." And he said, "No, she's gonna stick by you. What's the worst that can happen?" And I said, "Well, I could potentially lose my car and my apartment." And he's like, "Great, I have a spare room in my house." And I'm absolutely willing to loan you and your business $200 a week to make sure that you're okay. What's the worst that can happen? And I said, nothing. And he's like, absolutely. You can sleep on couches until you're successful. Just make sure you do it now. Uh, so I actually listened to a podcast uh, that talks about businesses starting up. And uh, I can't remember all the exact names, but I can't tell you how many of them uh, from like Whole Foods uh, creator to... Uh, Google to Lyft and Uber and Airbnb, where they had to sleep on couches. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I if I'm if I remember correctly, I know the owner of Airbnb. I think for the first couple years, if not more, they were they were couch surfing, uh, even though their business was renting out other people's homes. Mm-hmm. They were flying from New York City, I believe, to other cities and just sleeping on couches. And those are those moments are always going to happen starting a business. And I think. Uh, people fear that because it's obviously the uncomfortable, but it's also not going to end your life. You're not going to just die because you have to stay on someone's couch. So you have to almost eliminate those excuses because that's all they really are is an excuse. Uh, and it's very normal for a mind to want to grasp for ex- grasp for excuses because uh, they're so easy, right? It's easy to sell yourself on an excuse, but normally excuses aren't real deep mm-hmm. down. Um, so then when you got here... Uh, what was the uh, big step that actually got you up and running? I honestly think it was my wife. Um, I was not stagnant, but I was just I was kind of waiting, watching, learning. I had all these bright ideas. That was the visionary in me. And my wife is incredibly patient. And, you know, eventually she came to me and she said, like, what's your plan? <laughs> and it just kind of kicked me in the ass there. And I was like, well, like, I've got a plan. And she was like, all right, what's the plan? Tell me. And I, 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 I just said what came to mind. I said, I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to do this. I'm going to offer these services. This is what I'm going to charge. And I'd been thinking about this for, you know, probably years at this point, but really seriously for, you know, six months to 10 months here in, in Florida. And she looked at me and she said, great, do it. And I said, okay. (laughs) And so, um, and so, you know, I, Immediately, I was like, I'm going to forget what I just said out loud because I've been thinking about it. So I went and wrote it down um, and began just 
building it slowly in the back end. I didn't really execute or make it public at first. Um, it was very, very quiet. I was building out the back end assets, creating and documenting the, the intellectual property and the IP, getting all the logos, just everything, all the back end of a business. And um, then it came time to, to launch and I'd done the back end work and I said, all right, here we go. Let's take the leap, put the plan in place. And here we are. Sounds like it was a handful of leaps one after another. Um, I, I think the biggest thing too, I kind of want to, uh, touch base on it. Cause, um, when you're going through something like that, where you're putting a plan together, uh, I think a lot of people, a good, uh, tip to start is you can put all these ideas or plans where we say, Hey, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to sell it for this yada, yada, yada. But then we, there's no plan of action, how to get to each one. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people lose themselves in their journey or the beginning of the journey because obviously we all want to own the company and start this and do it like this and be a big business that runs on its own but uh that's not really a plan you have to take you got to figure out how to get to each step each goal um and that's the that's what a real plan is is making sure that you know what to do to get to each achievement um and then so when you started and it was up and running did was it just you or you the only coach just me for how long Still just me. Wow, okay. Still just me, solo show. And I do that because coaching is so hard to replicate, and I actually learned this through MAPS. We brought on, like I said, we were 60 60 people, including me and Abe, within about four months. And coaching is interesting because it's one part skill, one part experience, one part personality, and one part opportunity. And so... There's that, also got to be a little part of natural. Yeah, a, a, a little, a little bit. bit. And I think that kind of falls into the, the, the skill, whether it's you know natural or acquired. And that's a hard combination to replicate. And so for me in my business, I'm going to maintain solo um, until I find someone that fits my brand and fits what I'm creating as a company. And I'm willing to wait as long as I have to to, to be that, make that a reality. I would, I would almost stop you if you didn't say that, um, because if you left one place because of their perspective and culture and then didn't keep that same focus, uh, I would have been pretty upset with you, but I'm, I'm glad you got to stay true to your guns. A hundred percent. Cause if you, if you lose the passion or lose the reason, the why, then all of a sudden you're going to just end up doing something you don't like to do, uh, which is what made you leave that company and also be so strict on who you bring on here. Um, have you have you started looking for anyone yet, or how, where's that process at? So I'm I'm always looking because the fun part about coaching is you know, I believe anyone has the capacity to become a coach. This is why you see I mean life coaching, anyone and their grandma can get a life life coaching certification online yep. for about ten dollars. So you see coaches uh, everywhere, and that's not really the skill I'm looking for. Um, I'm looking for a level of unselfish development associated with an individual. I'm looking for someone with a servant heart because coaching is not about you. It's not about your expertise. It's not about your experience, your genius, whatever it might be. It's about the person. Mm -hmm. It's about their journey. And so someone could come to me with as much business experience and skill and knowledge as myself or even greater. But if they don't have that servant's heart, I know they're not good for the position. So I'm actively searching um, just to 
find that person. I've got a few people that I've met that know that I'm like, hey, I've got you in my back pocket. Let's see where this goes, right? And I've told them I'm keeping my eye on you. And, you know, when the time is right, we may have a conversation. Um, but I feel like that's what looking for talent is. It's about consistently looking for individuals who fit the mold of the growing um, statuses of your company and saying, you might fit here. I'm going to keep my eye on you. And when it's time, approaching them and bridging a conversation. What's, what's, when you are coaching, what is usually the um, biggest topic that you probably have to focus on for the average customer, client? Consistency. And I think that's across the board. I mean, I've, I, like I said, I've got, I've got solopreneurs I coach. I also have companies with 35 employees that are bringing in you know, several million dollars annually in revenue. So it, it across the board. And you know, if you're uh, sitting at home listening to this and you're thinking, man, like it's just me and I'm trying to be consistent, I talk to CEOs of massive companies that are still like, I'm not consistent. It's across the board. And the reason why is because oftentimes entrepreneurs are visionaries, much like myself. Um, and we have great ideas, wonderful ideas, world-changing ideas. But the thing that, that happens is we have this great idea, we begin execution, and one of two things will happen. Either we're going to get bored of, easy. of the yeah, easy one, right? Of continuing to execute on this idea and we think, oh, shiny object, I'm going to go try this next, right? I'm going to go try this other idea because it, it seems funner to me. The grass is greener issue. Correct. Grass is greener. Or they, um, they lose steam. So it doesn't take hold as quickly as they'd like and it doesn't catch fire as fast as they anticipated. And that's disheartening. And so they think this idea is no good. I, I'm just going to stop. And so it's consistency. It's ensuring that not only are they consistent with their idea, but consistent in the execution of activity towards the desired goal. Is that something you, you individually coach kind of with the um, not holding your, themselves to some high expectation, some, I don't want to say unrealistic because it can't, it is real. Some, some just boom right off the start, but kind of like what we were talking about earlier, that's a, that's a pretty slim number. So it's almost way better, at least from what I believe is we have the idea of where it wants to go and how big, but we also can't hold ourselves to it and then get demoralized when it doesn't pan out exactly like that. Correct. And, you know, I think the issue is that we have this big vision and we hold ourselves accountable to the ultimate goal, right? We have an idea for the next Uber and we say, you know what, this is going to be a billion dollar annual company and we only make $5,000 the first month. And we go, oh, this is a terrible idea. It's not taking off, right? And then the next month, it's 10000 Still not a billion dollar company. Like, this is never going to work. And setting those milestones is so important because it, two things. One, it gives you the confidence to keep going. Because if I know this month is 5000 that's the goal. Next month, ten. The following, 20 following 40 it gives me something to shoot for that is more attainable and it makes that ultimate goal feel like it's getting closer and closer as opposed to i'm just clawing up this mountain to try to get to that ultimate goal so it gives me confidence and the other thing it does is it shows growth a lot of people don't track the small milestones because they feel they're insignificant but the reality is that success is built in those small milestones not the ultimate achievement I think that goes right with the, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Yeah. And if you don't appreciate the journey, you're not going to even make it to the destination anyway. Uh, you're going to get lost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so then what, what's been your biggest obstacle so far? What's been the, uh, that moment where maybe we said, hey, maybe this is not for me or maybe this won't work because I'm 
I'm pretty sure you're still human, so you had to have at least had a couple of those little moments. Yeah, um, I think it's, and this is continuous. So because I talk with so many different business owners, I'm consistently faced with challenges that I've never experienced before. Um, there are commonalities associated with different businesses that are universal. So there's generalities, but there is new problems that pop up every single week. So at least once a week, I'm sitting there on a call and I just think to myself, well, shit, like <laughs> this is new. Like, all right, I got to, I got to figure this out now and I got to wrap my rant, my mind around this, uh, this idea. And it stretches me and it increases my capacity. But in those moments, I think, man, am I really cut out for this? Do I know enough? And I think we, we all do that. We face these, you know, once I get past it, obviously I look back and think, oh, that was really small. But in the moment, it's so demoralizing. I didn't know this thing that I should have known, right? And we, sh- we can should all over ourselves um, if, we let our, if we let ourselves do it. But those moments happen continuously. And I've learned to see those as milestones towards growth and not necessarily setbacks towards what I could perceive as my lack of intellect. What I love about that is that we both have are talking about the same uh, issue or subject. Uh, and what I kind of do is instead of letting it snowball, which is with anything in life, we all have those days where, uh, you know, we drop uh, the soap and everything spills out or our coffee spilled on us. And it's easy to kind of let that snowball into a bigger snowball. Um, and especially with a business, it's easy since you've already had all the fears in your mind from the get-go, uh, when these obstacles come, I, I just look at them and try to remind myself, I don't want to say it just comes naturally, I have to remind myself that it's a part of it. That's it, I keep telling myself, this is just part of it. Don't, once you accept that you're going to have obstacles, speed bumps, driving straight through a brick wall, uh, then once you embrace that, then it's all part of the journey and it's not really so much uh, this road stop or this something that's gonna stop you, you just know, hey, this is part of it. This is it. Like, just do it. Get over it. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. So with, with who you work with, uh, what's kind of their own challenges that most of them come with you to? So it, var- it varies depending upon industry. It varies depending upon uh, behavior. Because people are so different. And that's, that's so much fun in my line of work because each individual I work with is so, so unique. They could be in the same industry and because their behavior is so different and because their behavioral style is so different, I have to talk to them differently and we're talking about some of the same things different ways. But I would say if I had to choose a commonality between them, um, there is it's probably a confidence base. I mean, underlying associated with every single person I talk to, they have baseline fears or stories that they're telling themselves that hold them back. And so it's instilling in them either through verbally discussing it or through providing them the ability to take action and overcome increase to their confidence. Do you, do you hit that? Uh, do you hear it a lot with the anxiety, the, um, overthinking and all these people that are obviously going to come to you, especially when it involves business and money. I'm pretty sure one of the biggest fears outside of losing loved ones or pets or anything like that is going to be what happens to all my money if something goes bad, I lose all this money. And it's easy to get anxious about. Uh, and I think the more and more we're uh, aware of you know, mental health and anxiety, depression, 
I know that's a big part of business because there's constant fears, constant ang- anxious moments. Um, and you, you know, I hear a lot of business owners that uh, build or get anxiety starting uh, during this process, which they might not have had ever before. Uh, how, how, how many people and how often does that come up in your business? I think all of them have a degree of anxiety because they feel a sense of responsibility for themselves and especially if they have people relying on them, either a family or a partner or children. And then when you scale, you have employees, right? You're like, not only do I have to make sure that I'm taken care of, but I need to make enough money to pay these guys. So there's a, a very high level of anxiety, I think, across the board. I think the the thing that solves a majority of the problems is clarity. And that sounds cliche, but I believe that clarity alone does 50% of the heavy lifting. And that comes from understanding what you're doing, where you're at in the process, and what actions you can actively take to make waves or make changes in association with what you're building. You feel helpless, helpless and you feel increased anxiety when you don't know what to do and or you're slightly unclear as to how that action affects the overall goal. So having that clarity alleviates the anxiety and helps you to take action and move forward. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal a little bit from your coaching experience. What's normally the tips that you give for them to have that clarity kind of moving forward? Absolutely, so I, I ask a lot of questions in my sessions with my clients um, and Clarity is interesting because it's unique per person and different clarity does different things. There is a lot of anxiety around money for all of us, but specifically business owners and entrepreneurs because we don't look at it very often. Most people don't. Uh, Most of the first conversations I have with clients is around their money because they haven't looked at it and they don't want to look at it because it scares the crap out of them. And so one of the first things I say when I get on the phone with someone is I say, fantastic, I'm really excited to get started. In order to understand where you're at, we need to evaluate your profit and loss. Do you happen to have financial records or does your CPA or your accountant have financial records for your company for the last year, six months, however long you've been in business? And they'll say, yes. And I say, wonderful. How often are you looking at these documents? How many, how many of them don't even have that or lie to you about it? Because... I'm pretty sure there has to be a decent number that actually don't have clear books. There is a, you would be surprised how many people that are running very successful companies have zero financial process. So me personally, I don't, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. I would think that it's a good amount. It, it's, it's probably 50, 50 to 60% don't even have books. The remainder, there's a very small percentage. I would say about five, five to 7% that are on it. They understand where the money's at and that's, easy conversation most people either don't have them or don't understand them and don't look at them because it scares the crap out of them and they don't understand what the numbers mean so they almost they almost rather just not look at it at all and pretend it's not real it's one, the monster under the bed yep yep the philosophy that the, the quote that a majority of my clients say is I, i've always operated that as long as i had money in the bank account i was okay Oof. That, yeah, that's a scary one yeah uh so I always like to ask this question, uh, kind of looking back at your whole journey, uh, when has been like the most laughable moment where you can almost laugh, I don't know, at yourself or the situation? Oh, man. Put you on the spot. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Okay, so I was I was presenting. This is back when I was in in the previous company, and we created a a coach certification. So you came to a class with us. We created the curriculum, and we trained these individuals how to be coaches. And I was in one of those classes, and I was co-presenting with another individual. And while we were presenting, I completely forgot a entire portion of the curriculum. Not like I didn't know what to say. I didn't have the slides up. I didn't even remember it existed. And only after did I have to go back to all of the people who just went through the certification and say to them, hey, <laughs> I know that you thought you were done. This is my fault. I fucked up. And okay. we're going to have to do some changes to that. And it was it was a good time. What, what was the... Best for the podcast, but worst in life at that moment. What was the worst response? Oh boy. I I got a I, I got cussed out pretty good by one individual. They thought they were done. They had paid a pretty penny for the certification, and uh, they were not happy that uh, that it had been missed. So, cur- cursed out. I'd say that was the best. Most people were pretty gracious, but uh, this specific gentleman was not happy. What do you? What was the, what did he say? What was like the main line that you remember looking back this far? There had to be a part that you still remember word for word. He said, fuck your incompetence. (laughs) And I was just like, okay. You win. (laughs) Applicable. Yes, I understand. And still hurts. (laughs) All right. And kind of wrapping it up, I do always like to ask this as well. Uh, What would be the biggest tip that you could give any listener uh, on their journey kind of going into it, looking back at your own, and if you could give yourself a tip looking back now, what would you say to everyone? Don't do it alone. Um, I don't believe in self-made people. I think that that's a, a, a foolish notion, and honestly a, a, a very uh, egotistical notion to think that anyone could be self-made. Um, search for people who you believe can help you. And the reality of human nature, I believe, is that our core, we want each other to win at some level or another. And so when we surround ourselves with individuals that want to see us win, we have a higher likelihood of winning because we're no longer fighting a battle alone. So I'm going to pause you there because I also think realistically there's not that many good people out there that are supportive. I, I actually believe, sadly, uh, that a lot of people like to see others not do as good as them. I think we do live in with this social media life that we all live in now where it's easy to get almost jealous instead of um, motivated by someone's success. Um, but I think it's, I think even because of that, that's even more important that those friends that you have that are super supportive, that want you to win and will even help in any way they can to make, help you win. I think those are the ones that you have to make sure that when you're going through a journey like this, that you almost have to block out everyone else and keep those ones as close to you as possible. It's definitely your circle. I think you can, you find what you look for, right? So like if I'm actively looking for individuals that I want to surround my surround myself with that want to see me win, that I want to see win, I'm just going to find more of them by association with these individuals. If I keep people in my circle that want to see me lose, one, it's very apparent. You know, you can trick yourself into thinking, oh, they don't really want to see me lose. You know when someone wants to see you lose. Um, and you got to cut that off right there. That's a, that, is, that is a cancer in and of itself. So you, you find what you surround yourself with, and it just 
continues to multiply. So find those people that'll help you win. Find those people that you can surround yourself with to help you accomplish everything you want. And you're far more likely to succeed. I actually like that you brought up the self-made thing because that term does get thrown around often. I've probably used it for myself as well, uh, but you, that's 100% accurate to your point that I can't. I don't think there is one successful person or business that actually self-made it by themselves. Uh, I don't think that's realistic. I think I'm pretty sure that's almost impossible, whether it's from motivation from someone or uh, good feedback or negative feedback. Uh, none of us can think exactly what everyone will like and it be perfect. Like that's just not realistic. Uh, and I think that's something that where a lot of people see successful people, they might assume naturally that that is how it went for them. Um, but really they just went through the obstacles that most people would stop at uh, and also reach out to others and get help. Uh, listening to those podcasts, all these famous business owners that we all know, all of them had help from someone. Um, and not even necessarily a free handout, but guidance or lessons learned or a mentor. Uh, I think a mentor is probably the, one of the biggest things that help. Because uh, those are usually people that have already been through those similar obstacles. Uh, and without someone coaching you uh, mm-hmm. through it, uh, you're going in blind. Yeah. And you're probably going to get stuck in there. Easy, 100%. So, well, Taylor, uh, give a shout out to the people with your uh, website, how they can find you, how they can research more, and hopefully uh, have you coach them. Absolutely, yeah. If anyone's interested in you know talking more of one-on-one about business, you can find me at www.takeformdevelopment.com. There you can find all of my contact information, a little bit more about me, and there's an opportunity on the website for you to take out a development evaluation. So if you click on you know, evaluate me. There's an opportunity for you to take my exam for free. We'll go over your results and we'll talk about the areas of your life or business that we really need to double down on in order for you to see that success. In order for you to see that success. And I, everyone out there, don't, it's free. At least have that uh, feedback. Uh, nothing hurts. Uh, asking someone for uh, them to kind of see where you're at, if it, especially when it's free. At least go ask. Go see what it is uh, and then make your own decision from there. All right, guys. Well, hey, take care. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Taylor. See you guys.